Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Got our guest Chris Doring, who is uh, really, really going to settle in to uh, Central Arkansas here over the next couple of days. So if you see a tall, handsome fellow that looked like a former SEC star rolling around town, yeah, that's him. Um, so uh, you know, that's the only bad thing about Little Rock, Chris, is it's a uh, it's a national, not international airport. Sometimes we're limited on flights, but we're happy to have you oh, as long as you'll be here. I am thrilled to be here. I flew in yesterday and uh, went out on my balcony, looking out over the river. Here, the leaves are changing. The temperature was cool. It was crisp and blue. It was very different than what we get to experience in Florida. So I'm happy to be here, and I appreciate everybody welcoming so nicely. I'm sure you got plenty of work to do, but we got uh, plenty of good restaurants in the downtown area to suggest. Yeah, for you, I so. had a, uh, a nice experience you know baz takes you out to the best places oh, so yeah. we had a good time last night good yeah <laughs> he, he does he's a good uh, social chair yeah that is his strong suit um well good it's great to have you here um you know it's interesting speaking of baz i always talk about ricky williams one of his former teammates and ricky to me is one of the most underrated players in arkansas history nobody talks about him when they talk about the greats at linebacker or don't not enough people talk about him at least and had a great career and i would say you're kind of in the same vein from receivers you get lost in the shuffle because of all the great guys who came through florida yeah. at the sec but i mean you were rewriting record books when you were there it was pretty yeah. amazing to watch you go through your career at florida it was a sense of pride for me as a guy that grew up a gator fan right there in gainesville going to all the games as a kid i always had this dream of following in the footsteps of chris collinsworth and getting a chance to run out of that tunnel and play on florida field it didn't look like it was going to happen. I didn't get a scholarship offered to Florida or anywhere else for that matter. So I walked on and, and earned that scholarship before my redshirt sophomore year. Got a chance to start playing a little bit and putting up some, some numbers. And then to leave as the uh, all-time touchdown leader for the career in the SEC was just a uh, like a dream come true for me. So 25 years I held that record, and then uh, Devontae Smith broke it and uh, left it way in the dust with that great career he had at Alabama. So did you play with Werfel exclusively, or do you have other no. quarterbacks? No, so uh, when I, I got there, Shane Matthews was oh, finishing yeah. up his career, um, and then it was Terry Dean and Danny Werfel kind of back to back and forth. You know, Coach Spurrier had that history of, of uh, jumping quarterbacks in and out. He wasn't afraid to, to let the next guy try. In fact, my coming out party at Florida was the 93 game in Lexington against Kentucky where – you know, those two guys combined to throw seven interceptions. Uh, we make a drive at the end, and I catch uh, a touchdown with three seconds left to, to help win the game, and uh, that was kind of the start of the, the trajectory in an upward pattern. That was a 24-20 game? Yep. Yeah, I was reading about that this morning, and uh, Mick Hubert, the, his call is famous. During, was it during scores? During a touchdown, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I always remember the call that I will never forget from him is when Arkansas played Florida in the SEC championship mm-hmm. game a few years ago. And Reggie Fish fumbled the punt return, and Wandy Pierre yep. Louis covered it. Touchdown! 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 I was like, "Get out of my head!" Well, we were talking about that last night. Actually, it's funny that you know uh, us playing in the SEC title game. I, I was part of the the original one when we first went to, to divisions in '92. So played Alabama '92 and '93 in Birmingham. Then we moved to Atlanta in '94, which you know kind of elevated it to this Super Bowl type feel. And then '95, my senior year, we played Arkansas as well in that game <clears throat> excuse me so it uh, i was at the, the game i believe was that 2006 with that uh, fumble rec- uh, recovery by yeah. wandy pierre louis we looked at it very differently as uh, <laughs> i was very happy about that but uh, the history with florida and arkansas and obviously very timely this week with the gators hosting the razorbacks in gainesville 
So, I mean, these are two programs uh, as Florida tries to get back up where to where they were, and Arkansas is trying to figure out exactly what it's going to be going forward with the change of the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Let me get your impressions to start with on Sam Pittman and what he's done so far there. I love Coach Pittman, man. I've been very um, pleased to get to, to know him over the years since he's been not only you know, here at Arkansas, but his time as an offensive line coach in, in this league when I've been working for the SEC Network. So I, I think a lot of him personally, I think he's a victim of his own success. Even you know as you're watching that, that ramp up from when he took over from Chad Morris in the first couple of years, it's almost like, hey, be careful, man. You're going to win too much too soon, and the bar is going to be set really high. I think it's the same situation in Columbia, South Carolina, where Shane Beamer probably exceeded expectations in the first couple of years, and people a little disappointed with where they are with just two wins this season. So, uh, you know, they, they've changed offensive coordinators. Obviously, that is a tough thing to do in yeah. the middle of a season. The good news is, I guess, you get the bye week to kind of work around yeah. that. What, what do you think is the best case scenario for Arkansas going forward? Honestly, I mean, as a Florida guy, I'm looking at it as a very dangerous situation. You know, you're going up against an Arkansas team that's lost six. You don't know what their offense is going to look like now with the change. And, um, you know, I, I think it can be a, uh, maybe a shot of adrenaline for this team that, I was very proud of the way that they fought against Arkansas, uh, against Alabama in Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago, and then to have them come back and look as listless as they did against Mississippi State was a little frustrating. So maybe this is the, the change that they need. Maybe they can finish up uh, very uh, strongly. And, and I think last year you go back and look at – uh, South Carolina. South Carolina lost to uh, Florida. They got blown out in Gainesville and then come back and find a way to win against Tennessee and Clemson in back-to-back games, and it really changed the feel of the program. So I'm hopeful that Arkansas can, can have that same kind of finish this year. How does Florida traditionally handle the week after the Georgia game? Yeah, you know, and I, I, it's a, I was talking about that on a show that I, I did a hit on this morning. Like, you cannot let Georgia beat you twice. And I think one of the things about that is you, you pour so much energy and emotion into that game. It doesn't go the way that the Gators wanted. So how do you come back, especially at a noon local game? This is a blackout game. We've never had that blackout thing. So they're wearing black uniforms, which I think is kind of goofy. But um, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see what kind of energy they play with. that hasn't been there all year. You know, when Florida went to – Lexington just looked very dead and, and didn't handle that trip very well, and they got beaten soundly by the Wildcats. So I, I think how they come out early in that game will be important, but also the physical toll. And you guys know this. I mean, when you play in this conference, every week is not only a, a physically a draining experience but an emotionally one uh, as well. So I think Florida, um, you know, it's a tough task for them, especially coming off the bye week that Arkansas had to kind of regroup and maybe re-energize too. Talking to Chris Doringer for just tuning in. He's the guest here at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. It's all brought to you by Arkansas Urology. We'll hear from him on the podium a little bit later on as he goes back and forth with David. So to your point, going back to, to not doing too much too soon, Billy Napier's done a nice job of easing his way into <laughs> yeah. Florida by only winning six games last season. How, what do you think of the job? Obviously, he was phenomenal in Louisiana. What, yeah. what do you expect for him? What's the ceiling for, for this team, you think, with him? I like him an awful lot. You know, and he came in with a very detailed plan, uh, the commitment from the university and, and Scott Strickland and what they've done to allocate funds to have the, the staff that he felt like he needed and the budget for recruiting. Uh, that's paying dividends right now. They've got the number three recruiting class in the country set for 2024. So I think there's a lot of optimism be- between what they've done. I think they added 43 new guys to the, the, the team this year through the signing class and through the transfer portal. Uh, I think you're starting to see that pay dividends with some of the skill players. They still need to upgrade the offensive and defensive lines. I think that was really the evident uh, illustration from the game against Georgia on Saturday. Uh, Georgia's the gold standard right now, not only in the conference but nationally. So Florida's got a ways to go, but I think uh, people are feeling 
that it's heading in the right direction. The problem is, is that your your schedule here in the last month of the season is really tough. I mean, you know, you're only a what less than a touchdown favorite over Arkansas. I think that shows how dangerous that game is. And then you go to LSU, you go to Missouri, you finish at home with Florida State. They could easily, you know, be one and three or zero oh and four in the last month of the season, which I think would take away a little of the goodwill. Mm-hmm. What does Florida try to do to you offensively? Yeah, I mean, they're a run-first uh, team. Um, they've started to add a little more of the vertical passing game. You saw that against South Carolina, which I think was uh, a, a much-needed additive. Um, Graham Mertz has been one of the real surprises, I think, in the conference this year. And I had a chance to do Florida's spring game for the SEC Network. Listening to the coaches talk about you know, what a great leader he was, how his football IQ is so great, uh, his accuracy, all of those things have really shown themselves to be true. So I give Coach Napier and his staff a lot of credit for evaluating talent and understanding what fits into what they want to do schematically. Um, but I, I still you know, think that they, they want to run the football first and foremost. I, I don't think they, they felt confident in their ability to line up and do that against Georgia. So you saw a lot of misdirection. You saw uh, some, some trick plays that I think got maybe too cute and hurt themselves uh, a couple times. But at the end of the day, they got a really talented duo of running backs. Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne have been a nice one-two punch there. The offensive line is not as good as what they were last year, so they're trying to work around that. But, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a work in progress for the Gator offense currently. Mertz is a great story, and we've talked about him. And I, I actually did a little trivia question with the guys, and I was like, who's the second-leading passer percentage-wise in America behind Bo Nix? And nobody. Can, and I, I told him SEC quarterback, and they like eight yeah. guesses before we got there. His numbers are crazy. So it reminds me of a guy that's like a three-point shooter that's like 9 of 10. I'm like, you didn't shoot enough. Mm-hmm. I need you to shoot more. Yeah. This kid's numbers are – these are winning numbers. It's incredible to me. He's 25 at 34, 232 touchdowns, no picks last week against Georgia in a loss. Yeah. The week before, he throws for 400 yards in a very narrow win against South Carolina. Look in that stat sheet right there. How many sacks did they give up? Oh, four, four, yeah. three, three, three. The two last strip, five weeks, two strip sacks. Uh, you know, one of them recovered by Georgia. So the problem is the offensive line. I think that's one of the things they're trying to work around. Is like we can't ask him to sit in the pocket and throw the ball down the field as much because you know he's a, kind of a sitting duck. Right tackle's a bit of a a, a, a tough spot right now for Florida. Um, but you're right. I, I think you know the the uh, completion percentage was at like eighty percent at one point in time. Come off a little bit because they've thrown the ball downfield more, but. I think this group of receivers is much better than what the last couple of years have had there at Florida. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is tremendous, as you guys probably are aware. Trey Wilson's a freshman that has come in and been a dynamic weapon, not only catching the ball, but they get it to him on the jet sweep stuff, some end around stuff as well. Uh, you're looking at uh, Khalil Jackson, who is uh, the son of a teammate of one of mine. Willie Jackson was a, uh, a, a PK young grad where I went to high school. We played together there, played together at Florida, spent a couple uh, stops in the NFL together. So really proud of what Khalil's been able to do. Um, and I, I, I do think that they are more dynamic and uh, dangerous because the way they spread the ball around. The tight ends, too. Arliss Boardingham has been a nice addition as well at the tight end spot. So we know about your uh, football prowess. Did uh, little Chris Doring? Want to be a broadcaster too? Yeah, you know what's funny? I uh, I think there's very few people in life that get to live out their dreams, and uh, I'm very fortunate. Uh, as a five-year-old kid, I remember I wanted to play for the Gators and play in the NFL, and I got to do both of those things. And then uh, my my next step was wanting to follow in Collinsworth's footsteps in the broadcasting booth. So got a chance to do that. I've, I've done uh, you know local radio there in, in Gainesville when I got done with my NFL career, and then uh, got opportunities doing some, some games, and then uh, – Got the chance to audition for the SEC Network, and that's been a blessing to me. I've, I've uh, this is my ninth season working with them, uh, Dari and Peter Burns, and and uh, working with Chizik for as long as I did. Now working with Benjamin Watson, it, it literally 
it, it, it's a dream come true because I get to sit there, watch football, hang out with my friends, talk about it, and get paid. It's a it's a it's a tremendous uh, uh, opportunity to get to do something that you love as a kid and, and get paid for it, man. Was it stressful? You say audition, and my my heart jumps. It's like that's just nerve wracking to me the thought of that because I wasn't like a guy that performed other than in media. Um, after all you've been through athletically, was it stressful at all getting into that side of things? You know what? I, I think I'm a little bit of an attention uh, whore, a little bit maybe. You know, I think uh, I think that's that's what you you love the the stress and you, you, the the idea of of being in the uh, in the arena as a player. And there's not much that gives you that same adrenaline rush afterwards. But doing a live television show with no net when that red light comes on gives you that same kind of adrenaline rush. And so I, I've enjoyed doing that. The audition was uh, was stressful, but it was also something that I, I really prepared well for. And I think any time you prepare, it's like going in and taking a test. When you study for something and you, you put in the time, you feel more confident and you execute at a higher level. And I feel like that's not only what I did during the audition, but what we do, you know, I, Sundays when I'm done, Sundays, so my schedule in Charlotte, I fly there Thursday night, I do a Friday morning show with Peter Burns, I do a Friday night show with Benjamin Watson and Dari Noka. Saturday we're on from noon until 1230 with the triple header and the wrap-up show. Sunday I'm off. Monday I do the SEC this morning show and then fly home. So four nights in Charlotte, three nights at home. But Sunday I use to just go back and watch all the coaches' tape, and it really is a, a lot of preparation that you put in between Sunday and watching tape and reading articles. And then Wednesday night we'll do a call for our Friday night show, what we want to talk about, and then Saturday's all reaction. So it really is more than just the, the hours that you see on camera that are the most important. It's the time kind of behind the scenes, much like practice in a football uh, program that uh, helps you perform well when the light comes on. I was doing a radio show yesterday with Franz Beard. And yeah, Franz is my guy. He was telling me you were a three-sports star in high school. I, it's funny. I, I told this story last night to Baz and the boys when we went to dinner. I tell everybody I had the greatest senior year in the history of high school senior years. I was All-State in football, All-State in basketball, All-State in baseball. We won the state basketball tournament. I was the MVP of the state basketball tournament, and I was Sky Masterson in the musical theater production of Guys and Dolls. So, I mean, I got to do it. Back to your question yeah. about performing, I guess I even liked doing that at, yeah. the, at the time. No doubt. What was your favorite sport? Football was my favorite. Like, I always knew I wanted to play wide receiver and, and get a chance to do that. But uh, played uh, actually played back to the basket five in basketball and played wow. uh, shortstop in baseball, too. So I, I, I was one of those things that whatever season it was, I enjoyed doing that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, kids don't have the – they don't, they don't get to do that as much. I think they, the specialization of sports, I think, has been a, a real – uh, crime against the, the, the enjoyment of just getting a chance to play sports and, and to develop skills. Like a lot of what I developed in high school basketball and high school baseball helped me in my football career, and I really believe that there's a lot of kids that miss out on that with the uh, idea you got to pick one sport at a young age. Yeah. So once football's over, what do you do? Um, travel a little bit for fun. You know, I um, we get an opportunity to uh, – to uh, have a little bit of downtime, but I also own a residential mortgage company in Florida, so that keeps me busy. I do radio for Sirius XM uh, year-round on the SEC channel, so I get a chance to talk basketball and baseball and softball and, and uh, uh, women's basketball, too. So it's, it's fun for me as a, a lifelong Gator fan and SEC fan to have been as, uh, as mesmerized by these athletes in this conference to now get a chance to cover them and uh, be a part of the league in general is pretty 
pretty much a uh, an honor for me. I've always wondered where people who live in places like Florida go on vacation. So yeah. what, what's the best trip you've taken lately? Oh man, I uh, vacation wise, I uh, we got a condo over in St. Augustine, so that's kind of the close beach that we go to, but uh, go down to Miami a lot. Like mm-hmm. in my mind I'm still 21, so we go down to Miami, <laughs> do the party thing down there, hit the Bahamas a lot. That's an hour flight you get yeah. over there. Uh, Vegas a couple times a year. Um, in recent years, have done Wimbledon a couple times, so that's that's been fun. Did you, you play know. tennis growing up too? I didn't play tennis, but uh, I I'm a fan of like big sporting events, and nothing has kind of the tradition of going to Wimbledon and 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 you know the co- the, the strawberries and cream, the the white outfits and everything. It was yeah. awesome. Any other bucket list uh, sporting events that you need to go to? Or that you've been to? You know, it's funny. Kentucky Derby, Super Bowl. I, well, I uh, I would love to go to the Kentucky Derby. I, I When I was playing in the league, I always said I was not going to go to the Super Bowl until we played in it and uh, never made it that far. So I guess I need to do that. The parties are the more fun thing during the sure. week. Um, I do want to go to uh, – I, I got a chance to go – to lexington i wanted to see a basketball game in rupp arena and got to see florida do that this past february um i was talking to baz i want to come uh, watch uh, arkansas basketball i love big fan of, of Muss and yeah. uh want to come see maybe florida play these guys uh one of these days soon but yeah just just the, the pageantry of the big sporting events is something that i love and, and being in that kind of environment who is the best wide receiver in the sec best currently mm-hmm. I think you can make the argument that uh, Luther Burden is amongst that group. Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas's teammate, has had a yeah. great year as well. Uh, love, love those guys. Uh, it was fun to see Xavier Leggett uh, come out of nowhere at South Carolina. Uh, missed Juice Wells this year. He was uh, a guy I thought heading into the season was going to have a big, big year. I think Ricky Pearsall is amongst that group too. I don't know that people talk about him or Lad McConkey as, as uh, guys that uh, probably are deserving of that praise too. You like Alabama or LSU? Man, it's tough, isn't it? I haven't made a uh, prediction on that yet, but I, I think the most important group in that game is the front seven for Alabama because I, I think if you get into a scoring shootout, that favors Jaden Daniels. I don't think uh, uh, Jalen Milrow can match score for score without making a mistake. So that front seven getting pressure on Jaden Daniels, uh, kind of caressing lanes to not let him scramble I think will be big. But that game stays in the, the low 30s that's probably a game that alabama wins you get up in the high 30s and low 40s and beyond that's a lsu win chris at our, lo- our local casino at oaklawn um i didn't big... know there was a casino i mean we should have been doing that it's only an hour away david david does a lot with him he should he should have done better for you but uh they have uh the big 10 as the most likely conference to win a national championship this year and it's very odd to not see the sec on top of that list you gonna ride the league? I know you're you're sort of married to it, but yeah. I mean, you gonna ride the league, or you like a team from outside the conference? Or let me ask you this: Which team outside the conference do you like the best to maybe have a shot here? You know who's been fun to watch this year is uh, Oregon individually and the Pac-12 as a whole. Just really ironic yeah. that in the last year of that conference's existence, they're having one of these type banner years that they are. Not only with their depth of talent, but the quarterbacks and the headlines that those guys have have created. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. Um, man, I, I was high on Oklahoma, and they kind of fell off the cliff here the last couple weeks with that struggle against UCF and then losing this week to Kansas. Um, it, it's crazy how the picture has changed because I thought there was a, a decent chance that if you know Georgia were to lose that the SEC may get left out. Now you're starting to see some attrition in some other conferences. And now you know I think we're, we're looking at scenarios, well, how do we get two teams in? And that's kind of the, uh, the progression of my mindset right now. How do you see that happening? I, I mean, I think uh, I, I think in rematches you're going to see Texas beat Oklahoma in the the Big 12 championship game. I think you'll probably see Oregon beat Washington in that uh, yeah. championship game. Um, I, I 
I'm hoping that Florida State gets an L in Gainesville maybe in the end of the year. So uh, those guys, uh, I think they'll end up being a lot of one-loss teams that the yeah. committee will have to end up choosing through. Let me ask you one last thing. We'll let you go. Um, this weekend, Missouri off a bye and Georgia off the, the game last week. Give Missouri any chance to make this yeah, interesting? I think this is a great opportunity for them to throw the tape in and say, look what we did last year. We went toe-to-toe with these guys. We were tough enough. We're physical enough defensively, and our offense is better this year. I'm a huge Brady Cook fan and what he's been able to do. Um, not only Luther Burden being a nice uh, receiving option for him, but Theo Weiss has been tremendous, Mookie Cooper, Marquise Johnson, and then the the addition of, of Cody Schrader at the running back spot gives you a little physicality. So I actually think you know, they have a little something for Georgia, but I think Georgia always has that next gear that they can you know, kind of shift it into that's going to make them tough to beat, particularly in Athens. I'm right, gonna let you go. Appreciate the time, fun, very man. Much. Yeah, that was awesome all day. Thank yeah, you guys thank for having you. me. I appreciate yeah. it. It's well, fun. Lucky for us, we get to hear some more from you. With Sounds best. good. We'll see if he can yeah. ask you something worthwhile up there. <laughs> all right.